0: You know, folks, we're, we're doing a series called Weathering Life with a Sovereign God. And that's basically what we're doing, right? We're weathering life. The loader you get, you think, is it going to get any better? No, it's just life. But the reality is, is you're not doing it alone. You're doing it with God, a God who's in control, a sovereign God. And and to be honest with you, 1 Samuel is a great book to study about faith lessons about how you and I are to weather life. And we've seen it through Samuel. We've seen it through Saul. Now we're seeing it through the life of David before he's king. And especially here, we've looked last week and in this week, and actually it's going to be three incidents. We're only looking at two of them, where David has the opportunity to Take matters into his own hands and have vengeance. We saw it last week where he could have killed Saul when Saul was in the cave. This week we're going to see it with a fellow by the name of Nabal. And then there's another incident again with Saul where God gives Saul into David's hands and David could react. And that's really what we're talking about today. We're going to talk about letting things go instead of reacting. Because do you react? Oh, you're not like me. I react. Do you react? I don't know if I want to answer that, George. Well, the person next to you knows, right? We react. And we react to those who offend us and hurt us. In fact, uh, to be honest with you, I would like to say we're short-fused. No, I'm not. I'm in control. No, no, you're short fused. Why? Because you're a human being. You've got a short fuse. Now, some of you will admit that. Yes, I'm short fused. Some of you are too proud to admit it, but the fact of the matter is, is you are. Why? Because you react. It's only natural. You know, like, so this week we're going to go camping. I love camping. I love my camper. I love the air conditioner in my camper okay and and so we'll have a fire and we'll sit around the fire and we'll make mountain pies and and you know and, and and we'll roast cook hot dogs and they'll have s'mores and and you know while you're there you know what it's like all of a sudden while you're there it is the woods so what's in the woods critters and what's one of the most pesky critters mosquitoes and it'll come over and it'll, and it'll be on your leg and your arm or your leg or something And what does it want to do? It wants to suck your blood. And so there it is. It's irritating you. And your natural reaction is, oh, slap it, right? Smush it into your arm. Because that's what you do, is react. That's natural. Reaction is natural. Now, I'm not encouraging you to say, oh, please stop sucking that blood. Just go away. No, no, I'm not saying that. It's a bug, okay? But think about it reactions are normal because we're short-fused. Now, here's two thoughts I want you to see here. Number one, it's become culturally acceptable to lose your cool. Have you noticed that? It's become culturally acceptable to lose your cool. Have have you noticed how people just go ballistic over anything these days? I mean, I just read about a guy suing Hardee's. Why would you sue a fast food joint? You didn't give me enough chicken nuggets. Do they count how many they put in your? I mean, they just give you a medium container. You didn't give me enough. T- a reaction. Or coming across the table at a clerk or a waitress with short fuse. The Moses is filled with that, right? Well, oh, it's just those other people. Really? How's the last time you addressed that telemarketer that you accidentally picked up on? Did you know what I'm saying? I mean, we're short-fused. And it's culturally acceptable to be offended, right? Isn't that true? It's culturally acceptable to be offended at everything and anything. I succumb to it. I know you do. We all succumb to it. We get all worked up, and we react. Here's the second thing. We do not anticipate the collateral damage from our emotional explosions. You know, when you get to the place where all you're doing is reacting, I can almost tell you you're not thinking. And one of the things that you're not thinking about is what happens when the explosion is over. We don't normally think about that. We just react. And the fact of the matter is, is that when you talk about being short fused, you don't anticipate the consequences. You just let it fly. Let the chips fall where they may. And I'll be honest with you, when the chips fall, it usually isn't in a good way in your life. Relationships are hurt. That's the big one, right? relationships. We destroy the things around us because we're short-fused, we react. Oftentimes we end up hindering our plans of what God wants to do in our lives. And aren't you glad sometimes he intervenes in our lives to make sure that we don't really destroy ourselves with our reactions? And that's what we're going to do today. We're going to talk about letting it go. Because a lot of us have got to learn to what? Let it go. You know what I'm saying? Let it go. I don't know, maybe I've shared this story with you. You know, years ago, it was actually a couple of, I think a year and a half into our marriage. I hadn't even started pastoring yet. I was looking for a church. And um, we were headed to Canada to... Uh, go look at a church and Lori and I were in our car. We just left her parents' farm and uh, we turned around the corner there in Skunk Hollow and we're going up a windy, supposed to be a two-lane road, but it's more like one. And I'm going around the corner and there's this guy in a truck on my side and he just, I just had to go right into the ditch. And there we are. We're stuck in the ditch. The guy run me off the road. And he pulls over, and would you say I would be right in being mad? Would you say I'd be right in being mad? I'm, I, I'm, I'm, I'm not normally expressive, but I'm, I'm really steamed under the collar because we're on our way to Canada. We hadn't even we're not even a half a mile away from the farm, and this guy runs me off the road. So there we are. Our car's in the ditch. And I thought, I'm going to have to go back and get the tractor. So the guy who ran us off the road says, I'll give you a ride to get the tractor. So I hop in the cab with him, and I'm getting ready to give him a piece of my mind. And the next word out of his mouth is, you're Lori's husband. You're the preacher. I didn't say anything. You see, sometimes you got to let things go. So let's talk about it. Let's look at this passage. We're going to look at, really, a, we're going to go through this passage. It's a story about a guy by the name of Nabal. Nabal is the Hebrew word for fool. So his name, literally, think about this, when they name you, it's because of something that happens. Jews named their children at this time based upon something that was happening in their lives at this time. And this guy gets the name of fool because he was a fool. And so I want you to notice with me, look at chapter 25, look at verse two. Now there was a a man in Moan whose business was in Carmel and this man was very rich. He had 3,000 sheep and a thousand goats He was shearing his sheep in Carmel, and the name of the man was Nabal, and his wife was Abigail, and she was a woman of good understanding and beautiful appearance. But the man was harsh and evil in his doings. He was of the house of Caleb. When David heard in the wilderness that Nabal was shearing his sheep, David sent ten young men, and David said to the young man, go to Carmel and go to Nabal and greet him in my name. And thus you shall say to him who lives in prosperity, peace be to you, peace to your house, peace to all that you have. Now I have heard that you have shears and your shepherds were with us and we did not harm them, nor was there anything missing from them all the while they were in Carmel. Ask your young men, and they will tell you. Therefore, let my young men find favor in your eyes, for we have come on a feast day. Please give whatever comes into your hand to your servant and to your son David. So when David's young men came, they spoke to Nabal according to all the words that in the name of David and waited. Now Nabal answered David's servants and said, who is David and who is the son of Jesse. There are many servants nowadays who break away one from his master. Shall I take my bread and my water and my meat that I have killed for my shears and give it to men that I do not know where they are from? So David's young men turned on their heels and went back and they came and told him all these words. Then David said to the men, Every man girded on his sword. So every man girded on his sword. David also girded on his sword. And about 400 men went with David, and 200 stayed with the supplies. First thing I want you to see about this story is called, I'm going to name this section Provoked. You ever been provoked? That's where reactions come from, right? Is when you're provoked. David's being provoked here. Here's what's going on. You need to understand their culture. In their day, they're an agrarian culture, so that's basically they're, they're herders, sheep herders, or farmers. And because it's, you know, it's still that time when they have enemies around them, what ended up happening is, is that when the sheep herders would go out, they would have to be careful because somebody might steal from them. Somebody might take their sheep, somebody might kill them. Well, David and his men, remember, he's on the run from King Saul. David and his men are in the area on the run, but what they do while they're on the run, they're providing protection to who? The sheepherders. Especially to Nabal's sheepherders. And they made sure that they didn't take anything from the sheepherders. They didn't steal any sheep. They didn't steal any goats. Because that would be tempting if you've got to feed people. It looks like he's got 400 men. He's got to feed them. It'd be tempting to steal from them, but he didn't. He made sure that they were okay. Now, what would happen is, is when you provide that kind of service to somebody, ultimately the cultural thing to do in their culture was, is that you would expect something in return, a favor, a gift out of gratitude for doing that for us. We kind of still do that today, right? A lot of times I'll give somebody a ride and they'll want to give me, what, gas money. You ever done that? thanks for doing that for me, or or I'll buy you lunch or something. And and that's what's going on here. So it's the sheep shearing time. So they got all the sheep, they're shearing the sheep. And usually there's a feast, and so there's lots of food. So David sends a certain number of his young men to go to Nabal and say, hey, we've been taking care of you in a nice way. Would you bless us? Well, Nabal... Remember, Scripture tells us he's, he's a pretty ignorant, evil man. And he asks a question because it's almost like, who's David, who's the son of Jesse? Well, that right off the bat tells you he knows who he is. But he's questioning his validity. And then he says, there are many servants who are running from their masters. He knows what's going on, but he doesn't care. He's not going to help him. He's provoking David. You ever been provoked? Yeah. It's probably going to happen this week, right? Happened last week. Happens every week. Somebody's provoking you. Three things I want you to see here, okay? First of all, the power of a personal offense manifests itself in an immediate reaction. That's the power of the personal offense. The power of the personal offense. As soon as that slight happens... As soon as that insult take place, as soon as that action happens in your life, that has power. And that power makes you what? React. You ever notice that? In fact, I'm going to tell you right now, What that reveals is, is that whoever is hurting you, whoever is slandering you, whoever is the one who's offending you, you just gave them the key to your life because they, through their action, have power over you because they knew, you've heard this statement, they knew which button to push. Ever heard somebody say that? Well, watch me push his button. Well, they know what button to push with you, and they pushed it. And guess what? You push that button, there's a reaction. The power of the personal effect, offense, the power of the personal offense manifests itself in an immediate reaction. So, like that mosquito coming along, you're gonna react. That little bitty mosquito has power to get me to act. Whatever's going on in your life has power to get you to react. And if you notice, folks, let's be honest. We're always reacting to the same thing all the time, right? Or the same person. Same offenses. Always reacting. Always. Here's the second thing the reaction tends to go beyond the offense. It's like I was reading in a paper a month ago about a guy down in South Carolina, had a cockroach problem in his house. Now, I'll be honest, we have cockroaches up here. Down South, we have a different type of cockroach. And, and, and South Carolina where I grew up, we call them palmetto bugs. Okay, they have wings. They fly. They're big and orange, and they're ugly. And this guy had them in his house, and he decided he was going to take care of them. So rather than going and getting spray, he uses his shotgun. Would you say that's an overreaction? He got arrested. But that's what happens, isn't it? When we react when we're provoked, a lot of times our reaction tends to go beyond the offense. Think about this. David is offended. The guy says, the guy says I'm not giving him anything. Guess what David does? He gets so angry, he doesn't just react. He says to 400 of his men, "Gird your swords. We're going to go deal with this guy." I mean, it's not like me going and talking to a body slamming the guy myself. I'm taking 400 bodyguards with me. Would you say that's an overreaction? I mean, it's like, I mean, really, he's perturbed here. And isn't that what we usually do? The slightest little offense, we overreact on. Slightest little offense. We get provoked and we respond. Can I tell you why? I can tell you why David acted this way. It's called anger. It's been building up in him. And Nabal just happens to be at the wrong place at the wrong time and say the wrong thing. You know, a lot of times when I react, I'll be honest with you, it's because stuff's just building up on the inside of me. Did you understand what I'm saying? And it's just at that moment you're the straw that broke my camel's back. You're the you're the you're the spark that ignited the gasoline that's going on in my heart. And so when I blow up, I blow up. And you're like, what do you It's what's going on in my life. And so the reaction tends to go beyond the offense. It goes beyond the offense. Here's the third thing I want you to see. Retribution becomes an all-consuming mindset. Look with me at verse 21 and 22. Look at what David says here. Now David had said, surely in vain I have protected all that this fellow has in the wilderness so that nothing was missed of all that belongs to him and he has repaid me evil for good. May God do so and more also to the enemies of David if I leave one male of all who belong to him by morning light. Wow. David's thinking about one thing only, payback. Payback. Getting back at him, hurting him. That's what happens when you're provoked and you're reacting. All consuming mindset takes over. That's the power of the offense, isn't it? That tells you that there's the power in the offense because you want to take over and you want to hurt them, you want to make them pay. That's our society right now, isn't it? Because we live in a culture of getting even, of losing our cool, and it's okay. It's okay. I mean, we're watching it. I'm, I'm seriously, we're watching it played out on our TVs, don't we? But I mean, nobody wants to talk to each other anymore. We want to destroy each other. But God's calling us to something different especially if you call on his name as a believer. So I want you to notice now the story changes. It shifts here now because this is David. He's reacting because obviously we know that something, if you've read the story, you know something changes. Something obviously changes David because... God has a reason for this story being there. He's had one opportunity to destroy somebody who's hurt him. He's not taking it. Now here's a guy who's just, I mean, this is not even Saul trying to kill him. This is a guy who's just insulted him. That's all this guy's doing is insulting him and not giving him some sheep to eat. But David's getting ready to wipe him out and every male that's working for him. But obviously that didn't take place, and it's because of a woman by the name of Abigail who is Nabal's wife. So I want you to notice with me verse 14. Now one of the young men told Abigail, Nabal's wife, saying, Look, David sent messengers from the wilderness to greet our master, and he reviled them. But the men were very good to us. We were not hurt, nor did we miss anything as long as we accompanied them when we were in the fields. They were like a wall to us by both by night and, and day, and all the time we were with them keeping the sheep. Now therefore know and consider what you will do, for harm is determined against our master, for against his household, for he is such a scoundrel and no one could speak to him. Verse 18, Then Abigail made haste and took 200 loaves of bread, two skins of wine, five, five sheep already dressed, five seahs of roasted grain, 100 clusters of raisins, 200 cakes of figs, and loaded them on donkeys. That was just her pantry, folks. (laughs) I mean, she's got a big household, I guess, okay? And she said to her servants, Go on before me. See, I'm coming after you. And she did not tell her husband Nabal. So it was that as she rode on the donkey, that she went down under the cover of the hill, and there was David and his men coming down towards her, and she met them. Now look at verse 23. Now when Abigail saw David, she dismounted quickly from the donkey, fell on her face before David, and bowed down to the ground. So she fell at his feet and said, On my Lord, on me, let this iniquity be. Please let your maidservant speak in your ear and hear the words of your maidservant. Please let not my Lord regard this scoundrel Nabal. For as his name is, so is he. Nabal is his name, and folly is in him. But I, your maidservant, did not see the young man of my Lord whom you sent. Now, here's the first thing I want you to see. If you and I are going to get control, we're going to stop in the story. I'm going to give you the first point. Here it is. If you and I are going to get control and we're not going to react because of the personal offense, because the fact of the matter is, folks, realize it, you're going to get offended. You will get offended today. You will get offended tomorrow. You're going to get offended. So here's the first thing. If you're gonna let it go, if you're gonna get control, if you're gonna live by faith, here it is. Here's the first one. You have to stop, listen, and think before you react. You have to stop, listen, and think before you react. Because that's what's happening here. David, he is ready to go get some payback. He's going to destroy Nabal. He's going to make him suffer. He's going to kill every male in his household, which obviously must be a big household. What's keeping him from going? This woman shows up and she gets him to what? Stop, listen, and think. Because that's what she's doing here. Whoa, David, ho, ho. Oh, if you're mad, take it out on me. I didn't know. Now, why is it significant that she says, I didn't know? Well, because the actual fact is, in their culture, the one who ran the house, the one that you would go to to make the request for something to eat or whatever, isn't the guy. It's the lady who runs the house. Who's the lady who runs the house? Abigail. She runs the house. How do you know that, George? Read Proverbs 31. You've heard of the Proverbs 31 woman, right? What did the Proverbs 31 woman do? She ran her household. She ran the house. She says, I didn't hear the request. Take it out on me. So she's getting David to do three things. Stop, listen, and think. Think about it. Why? Because remember I told you, when we react, we're not thinking. And one of the things we're not thinking about is what? The consequences and the collateral damage about our reacting. So this is the first thing. If you and I are going to let it go, we got to stop, listen, and think. Will you say, well, sometimes, Lord, George, I don't have time to stop, listen, and think because I need to respond immediately. I'm going to tell you right now, no, you don't. You're telling yourself you need to respond immediately, but you don't have to. Because if you feel like you have to, you're not the one who's in control. Who's in control? The one who offended you. The offense is in control. Remember I told you the power of the offense. But by you stopping, by you listening, and by you thinking, you're regaining control. Do you understand what I'm saying? You're regaining control. All right, let's go on. Here's, let's continue on with the story. Look with me. Verse 26. Now therefore, my Lord, as the Lord lives and as your soul lives, since the Lord has held you back from coming to bloodshed and from avenging yourself with your own hand, now listen then, let your enemies and those who seek harm for my Lord be as Nabal. Now this present which your maidservant has brought to you, my Lord, let it be given to the young men who follow my Lord. Please forgive the trespass of your maidservant, for the Lord will certainly make for my Lord an enduring house, because my Lord fights the battles of the Lord, and evil is not found in you throughout all your days." Yet a man has risen to pursue, your, pursue you and seek your life. But the life of my Lord shall be bound in the bundle of the living with the Lord your God. And the lives of your enemies he shall sling out as from a pocket of a sling. All right, so here's what I want you to do. Here's the second thing. Examine and consider every aspect of the offense through the eyes of faith. That's what she's doing here. She's getting him to think about what is going on here. Think about what you're getting upset about. Think about what's provoking you. Think about what's trying to control your life. You've got to examine and consider every aspect of the offense, not from your feelings, because if it's from your feelings, you're going to react. But you've got to think about it through the eyes of faith. Now, what does that mean, through the eyes of faith? Well, that's from the perspective of realizing that, number one, God is in control. And nothing happens to you except God allow it. And for some reason, God's allowed this to happen right now. Do you understand? For a purpose in your life. So, you gotta consider every aspect of that offense because when you start processing, because that's what's going on, is you gotta process it. You gotta process it through the Lord. And think about it because that's what she's saying to him. She's saying to him, Think about who he is. He's a fool. Think about what's going on in your life. Somebody's seeking your life, but God's going to establish you, David. God's keeping you from bloodshed. Me showing up here is keeping you from bloodshed because one day when you do become king, that's what she's saying to him, you will become king. No one's going to say to him, well, you're pretty dirty as king because you killed some idiot back there, a fool, out of reaction. So you've got to examine and consider every aspect of the offense through the eyes of faith. Let's continue on in the story. Just a couple more verses. Look at verse 30. And it shall come to pass when the Lord has done for my Lord according to all the good that he has spoken concerning you and has appointed you ruler over Israel, that this will be no grief to you nor offense of heart to my Lord, Either that you have shed blood without cause or that my Lord has avenged himself. But when the Lord has dealt well with you, then remember your servant. Here's the final thing I want you to see. Consider the long-term implications for your life. you got to consider the long-term implications. I mean, let's just stop for a moment. I want you to consider with me, okay? So think about your life, all right? I can think about my life and think back on my life, and I can think back to opportunities that presented themselves for something to happen. That would have been good if I could have done them. But at the same time, at the same time, something happened And I reacted to it. And when I reacted to it, I blew the opportunity away. Now, I'm not the only one that that's happened to. That's happened to some of you, too. You can think back over your life, opportunities are there, and then something provokes you. Something insignificant happens if you think about it, and you react. And in your reaction, you blow apart the opportunity. And it never comes back. And now you live with the regrets. If I hadn't have acted that way, if I hadn't responded that way, if I hadn't, this is what if I hadn't have said that, isn't that what we say? If I hadn't have said that, because you wish you could take back the words once you utter them, but you can't. See, this is why you got to stop Listen and think. You've got to consider the long-term implications of your life because that's what Abigail is saying to, to, to David. David, one day you're going to be king. And when you are king, you can look back and say, I didn't shed innocent blood. I didn't just react and take a fool's life. I didn't avenge myself. You've got to consider the long-term effects. That's faith. That's letting it go. That's letting it go. You say okay, George. How do I process this? Well, I'm gonna give you two thoughts, okay? Two things that you need to process this with, okay? Two things for you to think about, okay? Number one, faith recognizes that your life is more than just the present moment. Faith recognizes that your life is more than just the present moment. See, when I'm reacting and I am provoked and I am going after a cockroach with a shotgun, I'm only thinking about that moment. I'm only thinking about in terms of my life, in the terms of that moment. But your life is more than just the moment. Your life is more than just that offense. Your life is so much more. Your life is eternal. Did you hear me? Your life is eternal. It continues on for eternity. Now, your body may change, and it will, thankfully, right? Right? But you got to get that in perspective. It's more than just that moment. See, when we react, we're only thinking about the moment. I'm offended. I'm hurt. I'm going to make them pay. Yeah. Yeah. But you're also affecting yourself later. You don't even know how. Sometimes, here's the crazy thing. You ever, you ever hear a story like this? I've heard many of them. Sometimes the way you react, you don't know the collateral damage until later, 10 years later, 12 years later, and somebody says to you, Oh, do you remember that thing back then? I'm sorry, we're not going to do that because of the way you acted back there. Well, we're not the same person. No, it doesn't matter. That's the collateral damage, that's the consequence. Faith recognizes that your life is more than just the present moment. Here's the other thing. Actually, let me read you the scripture. Go on to verse 36. Now, Abigail went to Nabal, and there he was holding a feast in his house like a feast of a king. Nabal's heart was married within him, and he was drunk. Therefore, she told him nothing, little or much, until the morning light. So in the morning, when the wine had gone from Nabal... And his wife had told him these things, that his heart died within him and became like a stone. And it happened that after about 10 days that the Lord struck Nabal and he died. Look at verse 39. So when David heard that Nabal was dead, he said, Blessed be the Lord who has pleaded the cause of my reproach from the hand of Nabal, and has kept his servant from evil. For the Lord has returned the wickedness of Nabal on his own head. And then David sent and proposed to Abigail to take her as his wife. Here's what I want you to see. Second thing I want you to see about this. Faith trust God who will plead your cause concerning the offense. Look, you might be saying, okay, George, that's wonderful that you're saying I need to let it go, that I don't need to react, but you don't know what so-and-so did to me. You don't know what they said. You don't know how much it hurt. You don't know anything about any of that. You're right, I don't. I don't. But God does. He heard it. He saw it. He knows exactly how you're feeling. But faith says, again, I'm going to let you, Lord, take care of this because, Lord, you're going to plead my cause and you're going to deal with the one who hurt me because I'm trusting in you. That's what faith is. Do you understand what I'm saying? This is the second time now David has had the opportunity to take vengeance in his own hands and he doesn't do it. Why? Because his faith in his God. And guess what? God dealt with it. God dealt with it. Faith, trust in the God who will plead your cause. Folks, he will plead your cause. May not be on your timetable, but he'll do it. You need to trust him. So listen to me, folks. Some of you here today need to let it go. and give it to God.